This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Well, Alabama is starting out this week with three bills now signed into law by Governor Kay Ivey. All of those bills deal with transgender students under the age of 19. One of the laws that will go into effect soon would ban any kind of hormone therapy or gender reassignment surgery from being performed on a child or a teen by a doctor. Another bill restricts any transgender student to using only a unisex bathroom at a school facility. Those designated for girls and boys must be used by students in accordance with their gender at birth. Governor Ivey says here in Alabama, the men use the men's room and the ladies use the ladies' room. And the third law is similar to the recent Florida legislation that limits the discussion on transgenderism and sex within classrooms of K through fifth grade students. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki reacted to the news of these three laws being considered by the state legislature. Psaki called them discriminatory and said that both the U.S. Department of Justice and the Department of Health and Human Services would be notified of what is happening in Alabama. The chairman of the Alabama Republican Party, John Wall, is not letting those veiled threats be issued without a response. Wall has applauded state lawmakers for passing the legislation that defends family values and told the Biden administration to keep their noses out of Alabama's business. Wall cited the Tenth Amendment and states' rights as the reason for that. Wall says that the party has the state lawmakers' backs when it comes to federal overreach and radical leftist agenda that is coming from the Biden administration. Well, the story coming out of the Jefferson County school system now has a little more clarity. The superintendent there, Walter Gonsolin Jr., says that there is no prohibition on school prayer. Gonsolin says he and the school board will do everything in their power to protect the right to pray and and for religious expression among the students. There's no details on whether or not prayer over the PA system will be student-led in order to avoid a legal challenge from the group known as Freedom From Religion Foundation. Controversy erupted last week over the whole matter when when the Freedom From Religion Foundation sent yet another threatening letter to a school here in Alabama when it comes to prayers being held at high school football games. In this case, it was Jefferson County schools that they targeted. FFRF has been able to get some of the other schools to remove prayer by threatening litigation. Attorney Matt Clark with the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty spoke to the Daily Detail last week about this group of atheists out of Wisconsin. In my experience, because back in my old firm, I, I helped a lot of um, you know local government agencies respond to letters like this. I would say you know four times out of five, or maybe even nine times out of ten, when when FFRF sends a letter like this, they are bluffing. Their their case is a lot weaker than they would lead people to be uh, or lead people to believe. Unfortunately, in the context of public schools, that is the one area where where the courts, despite the fact they're moving back to, more towards. Um, you know, analyzing these claims in light of our history. Uh, when it comes to schools, that is the one area where courts remain particularly sensitive. I, I think there is belief out there that you've got to watch out for children because um, if they're more impressionable than um, other people. And if we don't wind up sticking up for the kids more than we would for the average person, they're just going to be swept up uh, in, into this without having the chance to think for themselves. More details are emerging about a Limestone County prison warden who was placed on mandatory leave. Several inmates and their family members are accusing Deborah Tony of misconduct within the prison. 
One family from Chilton County talked to 1819 News reporter Will Blakely. Summer Patterson called her experience at the Limestone Correctional Facility a nightmare once Tony came on board. Patterson's father had been serving a life sentence when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2019. Patterson says that getting a visit to see her father became very difficult, despite the fact he was considered terminal. Even when a time for a visit was set up, the warden, Deborah Tony, then canceled the visit and refused to give the family updates on the father's condition. Patterson says she found out that her father was dying in a prison cell rather than under hospice care, and all efforts to see him were refused by Tony even after Patterson went to the state to get permission to go into the prison. The warden was the one who ended up calling the family and telling Patterson that her dad had died. She then hung up the phone. Patterson tells 1819 News that her dad had been in prison since she was seven years old and she had never had such trouble seeing him as she did with Tony. So far, the Alabama Department of Corrections has not released an official statement on the reason for Tony's mandatory leave. They just cite it as an internal personnel matter. The U.S. Department of Justice says that a former sergeant within the Alabama Department of Corrections has been sentenced to two and a half years in prison for assaulting two inmates at the Elmore Correctional Facility. 47-year-old Ulysses Oliver Jr. pleaded guilty to the charges. Oliver says he beat up the inmates thinking they had brought in contraband to the prison. The incident occurred back in 2019. Two other officers have also pleaded guilty to those charges, and a third officer has already been convicted from another trial. The USS Alabama is going to get a new deck installed after being in the waters for 80 years. The USS Alabama was built and commissioned in 1940 during World War II. The battleship Memorial Park in Mobile opened in 1965 to showcase the battleship as a museum and memorial. Now an $8.5 million project has been approved by the Mobile County Commission to upgrade the teak deck. This project will also be paid for through fundraising efforts and should take about three years to complete. Up in Florence, Alabama, the North Shore Animal League is working with animal services in that county to offer a week-long pet adoption program. The adoption program starts today and ends this coming Sunday, April 17th. All pet adoption fees are only $50 for an adult animal. The facility to host these adoptions is located on Roberson Road, which is in Florence. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news... True the Vote is an organization that is indicating that they now have evidence of racketeering when it comes to the 2020 election. The group has conducted their own financed investigation into ballot box surveillance videos and ballot traffickers within five swing states of Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. True the Vote's founder, Catherine Engelbrecht, says she will pull the cord on releasing all of that evidence after the documentary that they helped create with Dinesh D'Souza comes out to the public. The organization estimates that 7% of ballots were trafficked in 2020, which is a felony violation of most laws surrounding ballot drop boxes. Engelbrecht says the evidence they encountered is only the tip of the iceberg since time and money limited their investigation to video surveillance of ballot drop boxes only, not mailboxes in other locations. True, the vote has spent over $2 million to purchase cell phone ping information and now have 4 million minutes of video. This requires a team of 12 people working for 16 hours a day for 15 months to discover all of the problems with ballot drop boxes. Both Engelbrecht and her co-director Greg Phillips 
have noted that no law enforcement officials or government officials gathered this data surrounding cell phones and the 2020 election, but they sure did use cell phone data to find people and issue arrest warrants when it came to the January 6th protests in Washington, D.C. That whole rally involved millions of Americans headed to the capital city to protest the 2020 stolen election. Well, it's not a good look for the FBI coming out of Michigan. A jury has acquitted two of the four men accused of plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. When it comes to the two other men, the juries are now deadlocked on the charges against them. Daniel Harris and Brandon Caserta were acquitted after the jury concluded that the FBI had entrapped the men into the plot through their FBI informants. Defense attorneys argued that the FBI conceived and controlled every aspect of the kidnapping plot back in 2020 and that the four men were often not even sober during these weekend discussions, and they never would have brought up such an idea if the embedded FBI agents had not encouraged them. Defense attorney Michael Hills spoke after the legal victory. Our governor was never in any danger, and uh, I think the jury, even though they didn't get all of it, uh, you know, they smelled enough of it. I think what the FBI did is unconscionable, is what I think. And I think the jury just sent them a message loud and clear that these tactics are not going to be, you know, we're not going to condone what they've done here. And then and the jury didn't get all of it either. You know, the, you know, the, the judge kept uh, quite a bit out in pretrial rulings, so, but they did get enough of it, I think. Apparently, it is happening as the Texas governor said it would. Illegal immigrants arriving in the state of Texas are being asked to get on a charter bus and head to Washington, D.C. instead. Governor Greg Abbott spoke on Fox News about the fact that many Texas cities are seeing the Department of Homeland Security do that very thing on their streets, dropping off illegals without asking for permission. And what has been happening so far is those people will be getting on buses and going to San Antonio or or Houston or other places like that. And so I think they just need longer bus rides. Uh, with with regard to uh, the, the voluntary component of it, understand this, uh, and that is, uh, uh, Dana, if I were to go to Washington, D.C., uh, and, and take you and put you on a bus and take you down to the Rio Grande Valley, that would be kidnapping. Same thing applies to uh, anybody who refuses uh, to get onto a bus that would be kidnapping, even though it would be by a law enforcement agency. So there are laws that have to be followed in this process. That said, I can tell you this. Uh, overnight, uh, there were multiple communities in the Rio Grande Valley uh, that have been in, in communication with their office uh, asking us uh, to provide buses for them, maybe even planes to provide for them uh, for the movement of, of these migrants. Listen, these, these migrants, once they come across the border, it's not as if they want to stay down there in the Rio Grande Valley. As you have already reported previously, they're moving across the entire country. As they move across the entire country, what better place for them to go to than the steps of the United States Capitol? They get to see the wonderful Capitol, but also get closer to the people who are making these policies Mm -hmm. that are allowing people to come across the border illegally. Abbott says all of the options are on the table now to deal with what is expected to happen this coming May when COVID-19 restrictions on illegal migrants are lifted by the Biden administration. According to the Department of Homeland Security, they are expecting after Title 42 is removed to have as many as 18,000 people come across the border a day. Uh, If you calculate that out on an annual basis, that's going to be more than 5 million people coming across the border illegally every year. And those will be the ones apprehended. Uh, And so uh, this clearly is unprecedented. It's a high volume that the United States and states like Texas are ill-equipped to be able to deal with. Uh, And the Biden administration has no idea about the chaos is stoked. You think that Americans are angry about inflation right now? 
Wait till they see the chaos that's going to occur on the border because of Biden's open border policies. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson is also not mincing words when it comes to President Joe Biden or his son Hunter. Johnson went on Fox News recently to talk about the Hunter Biden laptop and the evidence he has already seen as part of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security. Johnson says that Joe Biden is compromised as president because he was aware of all the Hunter Biden business dealings going on with foreign governments and foreign companies. Easy to quick total up $13 million between Ukraine, Russia, and China. And the fact that uh, Joe Biden as president canceled the sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, the fact that he canceled that China initiative, certainly makes you suspicious that something's going on here. Johnson also said that the media is only coming on board now with all of this information because the 2020 election is over. Fortunately, you had people like Tony Bobulinski, like uh, Mr. McIsaac, uh, who you know offered up that laptop, John Solomon of uh, the New York Post. They are exposing this. And now the media is, uh, as I refer to it, is a modified limited hangout. They learned well from uh, their Watergate coverage. They're giving you a little truth as a mea culpa to cover their behinds. Uh, but I think the, the dam is breaking. I think more and more of this information is just undeniable. And, you know, the, the fact that we've proven Joe Biden to be a liar, why would you believe anything he says on this subject at all? You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. You won't want to miss out on Alabama Unfiltered, where Scott Beeson, Amy Beth Shaver, and Allison Sinclair, as they spoke to a nurse anesthetist, Christine Carr about what she discovered while going to Montgomery to seek protection for unborn babies when it comes to medical marijuana here in the state. We had to sit down with Senator Melson. He looked over our top 10 list. He was very flippant. He put the list down and he said, I will not lift a finger to do any of this. And there are other people in the room, a very conservative, wonderful senator and a wonderful conservative activist We are also there. And I just said, well, why not? I, I know we don't agree on everything, but we can't let pregnant women get this. We can't. We've got to adjust this age issue. There's some, da- there's some dangers here. Right. Well, the governor doesn't want to. Hmm. Really? He runs our legislature. It's disgusting. Which is, it is this disgusting. What do you mean the governor the doesn't want to do this? <sighs> I mean, I, she really, said, I just want to slump down in my chair, you I know, kind of like like a cartoon character. Yeah, just like that. Like I want to slump <laughs> down because you literally, what else? Like you have physical reactions to just how corrupt and pathetic mm-hmm. the people down there are behaving right now. I said, what do you mean the governor? Uh, how, why wouldn't she want to do this? I mean, this is just some like basic pro-life stuff. And he says, well, she just wants to let it all flesh itself out. And I said, you mean she wants to flesh out? pregnant women using marijuana and he shrugged his shoulders he deflected and then he moved on to another subject and repeatedly i and other people have been trying to reach the governor's office to say why is this the case why why won't you allow any and she just maybe it's because it's an election year i don't know i would have thought it would have helped her if she says hey i'm going to stand for the unborn and make sure that they don't get exposed to marijuana Uh, but there's this big pressure to just let everything be handled through the bureaucracy through the commission and so ever since then um, our ability to just do pass one bill the unborn protection bill was blocked at every turn you can find more of that podcast on 1819news.com under the podcast tab.
I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again on Tuesday. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 